Welcome to Sorry, I Was Homeschooled. I'm Laura, you're Suzanne. Suzanne, how are you doing today? <laughs> still in my little closet, still enjoying life. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I am also in my in my dimly lit uh, little, little recording corner here. Uh, so once again, not much time has passed, and it's, uh, it's good to be with you. Yeah, you as well. I was kind of chuckling because I really thought that two episodes were going to be done in one. Um, but I should have known better because every time we get together or start talking on the phone, I love the fact that it leads to so many rabbit trails. <laughs> it's like, yes. oh my gosh, <laughs> we would have never found that tree over there if we had not gone down that rabbit trail, you know? It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I really, like, a lot of our discussion from last time was not super-duper planned. Uh, we hit on some things that I wasn't expecting us to hit on yet because um, we do have some future episodes planned to talk about things like evangelical culture because that's going to be, that's going to be a doozy. <laughs> um, but, you know, everything is so interconnected. So many of, things, of right. the things that we're talking about are so interconnected that it's really hard to uh, not touch on some of these topics, even if we're trying to have like isolated, standalone uh, topics here. Absolutely. So I have no problem with that. But in the last episode, you kind of teased talking about uh, getting into more of the different kinds of homeschooling curriculum, because we've already talked about different styles of homeschooling as far as um, full homeschooling of you're at the kitchen table all day every day or whether you are lazy and farm out the teaching to other people oh at a gosh. tutorial <laughs> or you actually believe that somebody else has oh, something yeah. valuable to right give your kids but anyway go ahead that Sorry. you can't that you can't do everything <laughs> yourself what what is that idea I know, that you could trust somebody else to for the, with the education of your child, what? Obviously, tongue in cheek here. When is my tongue not in my cheek? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really too bad. Is because I go okay. Yeah, just just so everybody knows, Laura and I can both be a little hmm, sarcastic, maybe. So maybe hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you don't like that, then this probably isn't the show for you. But, you know, at the same time, I think we strive to provide nuance and compassion. So we're yeah. trying our best to strike a balance and not just be completely snarky and, and disagreeable all the time. Um, Absolutely. So we've touched on, like, different styles of homeschooling in that sense. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to dig into as far as, like, what kind of curriculum you go for or what kind of educational philosophy you go for. Right. And once again, I mean, we did mention, you know, you have, uh, it's very, if you're the one teaching your child, then you have a way that you tend to teach your teaching style. Your child may have a way that it's easier for them to learn. And, and Laura had, and I had a discussion about, well, is it really um, that it's a style of learning or is it just that you tend to a style of learning or you know, and I don't know where the nuances of that really are, but I can say that if you are observant and work with your child, you find a way that they understand it and that you teach it. And whatever right. that is, 
is what you need to go to. Um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you were so, asking me off night, off mic, like yep. what's my learning style? And I was like, well, I don't know if learning styles are real, but I do, I do agree that everybody learns differently. Well, and it's so interesting. There are even just different little things like, oh, God love my daughter. I mean, because when we first started with math, it was horrible. And I couldn't say it in a way that she got it. And it was yeah. frustrating for both of us. And, you know, she ended up with a teacher whom I adore, ended up catching up in math so quickly and being good at it. I was but astounded at how fast her progress was. Yeah. It was it was two like two grades within six months or something ridiculous yeah. like that. It was unreal. But, I remember you know, that, yeah. Yeah, and the teacher was like, okay, you know, to me, you look at a greater than sign, and it makes sense. It's bigger on this side than the other. Well, that didn't work. And, oh, I wish I could remember exactly, but her teacher made one eat the other. Or something oh, yeah. like that. And put I've done that with um, okay. I've done that with seventh graders and I've done that with first graders. I'm just gonna tell you I would have never thought to draw teeth on the greater than yeah. sign. It made yeah, it's really no cute. sense to me. I uh, yeah, I actually did that until very recently. I was actually working in a first grade classroom and I actually did that, I think like maybe a month ago. Oh my and gosh. And it was really cute because I had my little kids like drawing I drew eyeballs. And I had I had a little kid just just drawing little greater than and less than monsters, and that is just um, not something I would ever think of. And it also doesn't make sense to me. Oh, really? Point, uh, it, no, it doesn't at all. But the point is, it did to her, and yeah. that's the things that you've got to be if you're homeschooling. That you've got to be willing to adjust. You've got to be willing to mm-hmm. find help where you can get it. You know, whatever. But so we really wanted to talk about some of the different ways of homeschooling. Um, I am going to say that every single method of homeschooling, even ones that I don't like, have been successful in certain cases. Yeah. So I want to, you know, start with saying that we're not saying that there is an only way to do this, but even the ones that I really dislike. You can find people who have succeeded at them. Um, Laura's can grinning I, right now because she knows where I go with that. Well, I, I'm grinning because I want to say that I'm going to be a little snarky and say that the opposite is also true, that any method can be a success or a failure, depending on how you implement it and depending on the kid. And that's exactly, absolutely, I like that snark. And so that's the thing. So just realizing that you find what works um, and also what worked last year may or may not work next year. And and so just that flexibility to be willing uh, to change, I think, is huge. Sure, Um, sure. Yeah, and for for me, yeah, there definitely were a variety of different things that worked at different periods in my life. And I think that's why... um, I mean, like I said, I think that even like the times that my parents chose to send me to public school versus keeping me homeschooled were developmentally appropriate. And part of that was the instructional style that worked better or worse for me, depending on those times in my life. Makes total sense. So, you know, to start out, you've got, we've got some broad. Yeah. You know, some really broad things of, you know, is it literature based? A, a lot of, um, a lot of homeschoolers do a literature-based. Um, with that, the negative that I find in this is that even if a child is gifted in literature, Laura, you were, that was an area I think yeah. that was, you know, 
right up your alley, right up your natural inclinations and gifts. For sure, for sure. But once again, I go back to what I said before of not limiting your child. And so even with literature base, I, I think you need to be careful that you include the math and the science. Now, well, okay, well, let's mm-hmm. slow down here because we need to define Absolutely. What do you mean by literature-based curriculum? Yeah. And, and, okay, and it can be defined more than one way depending on who you're talking to. So some of course people it take can. that. What else is new? Exactly. All the definitions in the world captured in a teeny-bitty, tiny little title, which yeah. it never can be. But anyway. Well, what does it um, usually mean when people say they're doing literature-based homeschooling curriculum? Yes, and typically it means that they're reading a lot of books, what we call whole books, meaning a lot of times they'll even take, for example, they may take, um, find a way to incorporate, it's a little harder for math and science, but they'll find a way to incorporate it around the literature that they're reading. So would you be reading a lot of like historical novels and then tying in your... um your history curriculum and perhaps your science curriculum with things that were talked about in that book? Possibly, yes, quite often. And historical novels, but a lot of classics, of course, for homeschoolers, Mm -hmm. because, you know, some homeschoolers don't believe that anything that came after 1950 is good. Um, Oh, wow, that's pretty pretty late. Tend to disagree with that, yeah. (laughs) 1950, uh, not like... Even earlier. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so you have, um, but but let's just say that the person who's doing a literature-based, it is based a lot on reading. Um, even within that, you break it down. Some people like books that I'm going to use the term preach, make very strong moral suggestions. Others like books that allow the book to talk for itself and not preach as directly. Um, within the literature based, you can also do chronological, right? Mm, right. So you can take literature from the Egyptians, not that we really have literature from them, but literature about the Egyptians, you may, you know, and go up through and take it along with that and what was discovered in science at that time, what was discovered in math, um, different things like that. That would be literature based. And do you want to broaden that? Laura, well, have- so it's I'm this is actually a little bit out of my depth because I don't think that I mean the way that I viewed school was pretty strictly like chopped up into subjects. Okay. So I didn't really have that kind of holistic like uh certainly not determined by my parents that kind of holistic mm-hmm. framework. It was my because, you know, I never did the just homeschooling thing. I think that, like, the, um, at my, and when I say just homeschooling, I mean, like, just at home homeschooling. Right. But um, I think our tutorial definitely tried to connect um, literature and history, for sure. I agree. Yes. But the other subjects were more separated. So I'm actually not, I don't have firsthand experience with things like uh, like Charlotte Mason, for example, mm-hmm. where it's like almost 100%. It's like you're reading books and also going out and doing nature journals. Like, and that's kind of the core, as far as I know, of yeah. the Charlotte Mason 
philosophy. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I, I think that, um, you know, once again, so much good. But I, I would suggest that the beautiful thing about that is there's research now to even suggest that when we read classics, when we read good fictional literature, that it teaches empathy and oh, yeah. how to relate to people. Perspective taking. Yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal. I, I love the studies on that. Which I will say, I think that that was um, a great counterbalance because I mentioned previously the kind of fear of the other and the difficulty that I experienced connecting with other people who were even a little bit different from me, mm -hmm. um, whose cultural context was a little bit different from mine. Oh no, shock horror. Um, I think that because I had a strong grounding in literature, I was able to change my mindset. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that I had mental flexibility because I read so much and because I read such a variety of books. Yeah, that makes total, total sense to me. Um, another way of doing it was unit teaching. And, mm. and that's where you, and you could, you could gather this around chronological, you could gather it around science. You know, let's say we're going to take the subject of earthworms then we would count the mm -hmm. earthworms. We would make mathematical problems around the earthworms. We would study earthworms in science, and we would read books on earthworms. And so I will say, to interject again really quickly, um, the even though I did go to a tutorial, and you sent your kids to a tutorial, mm -hmm. the at that school, for elementary school, the parents were responsible for math and for language arts. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely getting a lot at home from my parents. Um, so if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and, and someone's listening to this and thinking like, oh, well, doesn't this only apply to um, people who homeschool full time? How would this possibly apply to someone who sends their kids to a co-op or to a tutorial? Like, keep in mind that even if you're sending kids to classes, you're still often like selecting a lot of books for them you're still like crafting a curriculum for them even if it's just for a subject or two yeah, correct yeah i think that that's a really good point to remember even for some of our future discussions yeah because yeah. i i think that based on our previous dis discussion of like different degrees of homeschooling mm -hmm. based on how much time you spend at home and how much time the parent spends teaching like i think I, I think we might have accidentally given the impression that if you send your kids to a tutorial, you, the parent, aren't teaching. And uh, that's gotcha. not, not the case. Yeah. Not the case at all. Because your kid is still, even, even if you were sending your kid to a tutorial for all of their academic subjects, your child is still home two to three days a week. Yes. And not only that, but also the teachers at the tutorial or the co-op aren't always teaching every subject. Exactly. So. Some tutorials allow you to pick and choose. So like, yeah, uh, you may go in and do only math at the tutorial, and everything else may be at the home. And so, right. absolutely, there's such a huge, once again, such a huge way of picking and choosing, which is beautiful because it allows you to individualize the experience right. to the child. Um, it's not just private school light. Exactly, or, or what they call school at home. Uh, that's, that's a term that some people use, which means 
Uh, the idea with that, if you're doing school at home, means you're still doing the really strict time. A lot of times you're sitting there, you're working on something, one subject for an hour, moving to the next, very uh, regimented, just literally what you would be doing at school, but at home. Yeah, which is a style of homeschooling, though. Absolutely. Uh, then you've got one where it's based on interest, and this is termed mm. a lot of different things, but one would be multiple intelligences. And the idea is, is that you really foster, and a lot of unschooling goes into this, but I want to separate it because it doesn't yeah. have to go together. There is um, a delineation, yeah. Yeah. So with this, it would be that whatever you feel like your child's gifts are, that you allow them to really go strongly in that direction. Uh, if it's right. robotics by George, that's what they're working on. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's what they're playing. Um, you and know, you would find a way to tie in the necessary uh, knowledge benchmarks to that interest, ideally. It, ideally. And that's what, that's what yeah. I was about to say. That's, that's the key, I think, with all of these is, once again, I, I have a passion for saying don't limit your child. Yeah. And make sure that they're not limiting themselves too early. So, you know, like Laura with you, pre-calculus, was it necessary? Not, No, maybe not. And not everyone should take it, but it should at least be considered even if the child is not good in math. Just because they're not good in something doesn't mean that they shouldn't have to be diligent to learn it. And I even find that sometimes with some homeschoolers, because they've never had to apply themselves to do something they didn't care for, if they do decide to go to college later, it's harder because they haven't had to learn, or even if they don't go to college later, but they come up against something in their career, right, that they yeah. haven't had to really apply that discipline to, um, that's where I caution well, and there's another issue, because I had a conversation with an unschooler mm. who's now, like, a very successful adult, mm -hmm. um, who, he didn't mention that, but what he did say was that he found the restrictiveness uh, and the excessive structure of the, I don't know, outside world. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would phrase it, but of, like, the school system and of a lot of work environments, like, really shocking and really depressing because mm. he'd had so much freedom as a kid that it yes. was very jarring to realize how little freedom other people had in conventional institutions. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that unschooled kids can come up against. Absolutely. And, you know, even if you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's one of those things is just realizing there is that point of having to be able to learn to work within a structure, whether we like oh it or not. Oh my gosh. If you're an you entrepreneur or, you're, or a freelancer, you're doing yeah. everything yourself. There you go. And you're so, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Laura has experience with that, yep. if you can't tell. Yeah. And that's not anymore. <laughs> We're not doing that now because I, I did not enjoy that aspect of it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, yeah. Once again, just realizing that as gifted as our children may be in something, even when they're 18, they may not still be doing it when they're 38. Yeah. And I don't want to have limited them unnecessarily. 
Now, there are limits. Come on. We can't do everything. We can't prepare them for everything. That gets under that weight that homeschooling parents should not have, right? Right. So we can't prepare them for everything, but the goal is to, you know, to make sure that they know how to find what they need later. Yeah. Not so much to give them everything, but to know that they can find what they need. Yeah, that leads me, that leads us into something a little bit different. So before we head into what I, where I think you're going, I want to just quickly summarize like, okay, different styles of homeschooling. I would say that you kind of have, um, kind of a range or like if you had to put it on a scale of like X to Y, Mm -hmm. it would be less structured with, with unschooling being on the very end of that. Absolutely. Um, to more structure, school Mm -hmm. at home, quote unquote, being on the very end of that. Well, and if you're not doing school at home, then the end cap would probably be classical homeschooling. Which is? uh, Which has, is an approach that's existed since the Middle Ages. And um, it, it is considered classical for that reason. But they have things divided. Um, the trivium is what the methodology is called, and it's reason, record, research, relate, and rhetoric. So their idea is that younger children do not have the logic and the ability to learn rhetoric. But what do you need to teach them? The grammar stage, you teach them to memorize things, right? And they're Mm -hmm. really good at memorizing when they're young. So it's divided into ages and what they believe is the most developmentally appropriate way for them to be learning at those ages. Well, and even that, though, is more curriculum. And I feel that you could um, enforce that approach uh, in an extremely structured way or in a slightly less structured way. I don't think you can do it with unschooling, necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, But even... With the classical approach, that's still like an approach to curriculum or a, a philosophy of what how you want to structure what content they're learning, rather than how you're how much structure you're putting on their day and how much restriction you're putting on what they're doing with their day. Does that make sense? It does. I would say that you can um, you can pair, and actually, probably my favorite. method is to pair and mesh classical with Charlotte Mason, Mm. which to some people, they would go, those are opposite ends. Well, yeah, that's probably why I kind of liked them. Charlotte Uh, Mason being very loosey-goosey, read a book and journal about it, and let's go on a walk together and collect some leaves. Exactly. Whereas with classical, it's very structured in the sense of here's what they need to be learning at this time. But I think if you pair them together, exactly like you were saying, Laura, you can, you know, pair those together where they're learning what they need to be, but where there's some flexibility. Right, right. And yet they're being challenged because too often classical is really good about making sure they know Latin, for example, and you know, math is important in classical. And um, so I find it a good mesh. But Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing, so, too. You don't have to pick one. You don't have to just choose one method. Exactly, exactly. So if you wanted to, like, graph it on a, on a Cartesian plane or whatever, I would say that, like, your, your x-axis is, like, 
how much structure you're putting in their day from unschooling to school at home. And then your y-axis is more like what content you're focusing on or what kind of curriculum you're using. Whether that's one specific um, focus or whether that's like a grab bag of different approaches to what content you're teaching them and how you're framing that content. Does that sound accurate to you? I was trying to decide, actually. Um, yeah. I, I think so with, of course, always, you know, the, the kind of the caveats. I mean, some because, of it comes yeah. down to even just what books you're reading. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, absolutely. But even, but it's it's like, because I know there are extremely structured homeschoolers where mom or dad is always in the room. Right. There's a schedule. There's a timetable. Yep. For me, it was extremely loosey-goosey in the sense of how my day was structured. I got to structure my own day, but if I put off doing my schoolwork until the end of the day, oops, too bad. That means that you don't get to do fun things this evening because you still have to do your work. Right, this right. Evening. It has to be done. Like, there was accountability of, like, there are certain things that need to be done in the span of the day, but I had the freedom to decide when I got to do them. And that's mm-hmm. not something that every homeschool family does. With some homeschool families, it's like morning is math time. Yes. Then we're going to have lunch. Then we're going to do English. And I was very, at, at least like starting in upper elementary, even before that, honestly, like very self-directed. Like, okay, you've mm-hmm. got syllabi from your teachers. You've got your homework. Mm-hmm. You have your list of things that you need to do and you have your books. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. And that's <laughs> one of the beauties, actually, of homeschooling. and. Um, let me add the caveat to, at the beginning of this of going, typically you'll find at different ages that your child needs more direction. Uh, we did yeah. have times when it was, okay, you know, we may, it may not be set at nine o'clock, but you've got one hour to do this. So when you start, we time. Um, different times, different ages, different developmental stages may need more of that than the other but the beauty of homeschooling to me is that typically by the time they're ready to enter college or that age, they are very self-directed. And yeah. I even had a college guidance counselor um, talk about how they loved to have homeschoolers apply to their college because mm-hmm. they found that they were self-directed and they were good students for that yeah. reason. Look, structurally, college was exactly the same as my two-day-a-week tutorial. Yes, it is. I've yeah. thought that before as well. It, it's so true, though. Yeah. Very similar. Especially with um, one particular teacher who we know and love, who, like, I don't know, should we shout her out? But but she always had syllabi, and she yes. always had a course schedule. And it was literally, like, when I, when I went to college, I was very, very familiar with how to read a course schedule and how to read a syllabus because it's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what Miss B did. I'm yep. extremely familiar with this. Exactly. And in fact, I found it like very, very comforting yes. to have that knowledge of like, this is what we're doing. These are the exam dates. These are like the projects that we're doing. These are the due dates for them. It allowed me to like learn to manage my own time. Did I manage my own time perfectly as a kid? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't manage my own time perfectly as an adult. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> but, like, I had the tools. 
Exactly. And I was able to like learn through trial and error, like, okay, if you know that this is due in three weeks, go ahead and get on it. It's not like you have an excuse to be unprepared or it's not like you have an excuse to be late. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, it was actually extremely similar to college. Yeah. Which Um, is a beauty. I mean, it really is. It's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so but yeah, no, I think I really do think that there kind of is like an x-axis and a y-axis yeah, <laughs> when you're works. looking at like how to homeschool. It's not just like, oh, what curriculum do you pick? It is also how do you want to structure your day? How do you want to structure your week? How do you, do you even want to have a traditional school year schedule or do you want exactly. to be able to travel with your family? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are homeschoolers who will base their curriculum around like going on a road trip to somewhere or like going on field trips, going to museums and then doing assignments, like write a report about what you saw at the museum. Um, there's so much flexibility. Um, but I think that it is good to pick an approach even if you don't even if you pivot later, I think it is good to pick an approach because I've also seen families that have a really scattered approach. Right. The kids academically don't do as well because I truly do think that not just kids, everybody needs some kind of structure and some kind of predictability. It's kind of like a roadmap to me. Yeah. You know, you may decide to take a different exit. You may decide to go off-road, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah. way of putting it. But if you've got a map, you know where you're headed, and you can at least hit major points that you need to. Oh, and my cat would really love to be in here with me, so you may Uh-oh. be hearing my kitty. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we got to talk about, like, what not to do. Because I think I think we've talked a lot about like, oh, yeah, there's so much flexibility and there are so many options. But I think there are objectively bad ways to homeschool. And mm-hmm. I think that those objectively bad ways are the reason that both you and I believe that government oversight over homeschooling is absolutely a good thing. and right. is a necessary good thing. Um, because unfortunately, both you and I have known families. I was going to say a lot, but I won't. We'll be a little more charitable and say we know we have known families more than one, yeah, <laughs> more than one, multiple, um, who, um, kind of are just like, oh, just let them loose, mm-hmm. just let the children learn. And I don't even, I don't know, and I haven't talked to those parents enough to know exactly what they are doing. I just kind of knew that they weren't doing a lot of the things that other families around me were doing. Um, And so what that looked like to me as an outsider, my perception was just like, oh, they're just kind of throwing a workbook at their kids and expecting them to kind of get it done over the course of a year. And yeah, not and really checking in. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that was exactly what was happening, especially workbooks in math. But yeah. Know. And interestingly, something that kind of went along with that, this is a pattern that I saw, was that often those were the same families that had an oldest daughter who was carrying a lot of the childcare burden in that family. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Where you've general, got me thinking parents, back. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, where 
unfortunately, the general pattern was that the parents were kind of checked out. Right. Yeah, I will say that don't think that homeschooling is, first of all, um, easy. <laughs> right. And it definitely doesn't do it itself. It, it, when I said earlier, blood, sweat, and tears, I was actually quite serious. Um, it really does take effort to do it well. Um, it, it's not... Um, and I don't care if you have the, you know, a child who's academically inclined or not. Right. Um, regardless, it takes effort to really be able to do it well. Now, having said that, there's a plethora of resources to be able to do it well. Mm -hmm. um, I do not believe that parents have to have a college education to be able to homeschool. I do right. not believe, you know, that you're disqualified if X. Um, yeah, and I will say neither of my parents went to college, and I feel that they both were equipped yeah. to homeschool me. Exactly. And and they knew where their weaknesses were. They knew where they weren't equipped, and because they, choose, they chose to take on my education as their responsibility, they knew, they took on the responsibility as well for filling in the gaps. Well, and that's the biggie. I, I, I think it does take some self-reflection and some understanding of our weaknesses and strengths. And it, it doesn't even mean, you know, my weaknesses are still my weaknesses, even though I homeschooled. So it doesn't mean that you don't have them, <laughs> you know, or that you look at them and magically they disappear. It just means that you're aware of things so that you can try to make sure that um, it's not hindering your children within that. So, yeah. you know, my weakness for not being structured. Well, we had the tutorial, you right. know, that filled in with that. Um, it, it is something, or if I just find it almost impossible to teach math, which I do. Mm. Uh, yeah. Math to me is, I don't know, it's weird. It's the biggest um, I anxiety, I think, for, like, most homeschool parents. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, bizarre, whereas, I mean, hey, if you want to talk science, I'm your person all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had more fun when we were keeping cow eyeballs in my refrigerator than any other time. I that mean, was not my family. But in my uh, family, we had, we were constantly having discussions about history and politics. Yep. And that was the real strength in in my family. So and and theology too because you know, I'm actually really really glad and you know as much as I uh now have been deconstructing some of the evangelical kind of verging on fundamentalist stuff that I was brought up mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. I appreciate the religious upbringing that I had. My Absolutely. mom, we had multiple concordances in the home. And one of my, like, best, most formative memories is being, I think, in middle school and, like, having a question about the Bible to my mom. And she was like, well, let's get out the Strong's Concordance. And she taught me how to use a concordance and how to look up the Latin and the Greek Love and it. the Hebrew and, like, and how to figure that stuff out. And we had, because uh, my dad worked from home a lot of my homeschool years, we would have mm -hmm. congressional proceedings on TV, on C-SPAN. <laughs> we would have book TV on at lunchtime or in the afternoons. And so that's where I heard about like Jaron Lanier, who's like the father of virtual reality, who has a lot of interesting things to say oh about yes. like social media and about like technology and where our society is going with that. And mm -hmm. like so many different perspectives about history and 
politics and the world. Um, and so that was, and I was just reading constantly as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would talk to my parents about what I was reading. They, my parents read all the time too. So they would tell me what they're reading at dinner time. Mm -hmm. That was what we would talk about is like, if, if someone was really excited about a book that they were reading, that person would probably be monologuing about it at dinner. I love that. That's one of the real things that I loved is you're with your children. Right. You know, you actually have time with them so that when things come up, you do get to talk. And you've, um, and, and you've got to be that. engaged, though. And if, if you're yes, not true. prepared to be engaged, I think don't homeschool. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree with that. If you want to spend time talking to yeah. your kids and, and taking accountability and responsibility for what they're learning, yeah. great. If you don't, don't try to homeschool. Why would you? Exactly. Well, and I have to say, and this looks different for every person. So we're a family of mostly introverts. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's, Veronica's talked about, you know, some people being shocked they would come over because we could all sit around for lunch if it was a quick lunch and every one of us be reading something differently. Oh, us too. Totally. You know? <laughs> And so, you know, we're we're not saying this yeah. has to look a specific way. And it's not just for people who are, you know, one personality or another. Um, you know, one of my close friends is very extroverted. And their homeschool day looked differently. But I don't feel like one was bad and one was good. She right, was engaged. Yeah. I was engaged. It looked different. And that's okay. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, I do think that that's one reason that public school was such a culture shock for me mm -hmm. because I was used to like just spending all day reading and right. not be and being in like very quiet environments. And so like I kind of just carried that lifestyle into high school to the point where like I don't know if you've ever been inside the high school that I went to, but it's it's got like a bunch of like pillars and stuff, like supportive pillars yeah. just in the middle of the hallway. I literally bumped into a pole reading a book in high school. And, like, that's just kind of where my head was at. I didn't really have, like, I, I think that when you go into a public school environment, you need to have a bit of a more extroverted attitude as far as, like, being more attuned to your external surroundings. Right, maybe not Ooh. bumping into columns. Not having your nose in a book so that you bump into things, yeah. Um yeah, <laughs> so, like, that. that was also kind of an adjustment and a, also a reason why, like, I think I think I needed to be in public school, but mm -hmm. I don't think it was, like, the ideal environment for me in every mm -hmm. single way, mm -hmm. even though, like, there were a lot of things about it that were necessary right. for me to experience, like, necessary for me to have some kind of exposure to. Yeah, um, that makes total sense to me. So, Laura? As a wrap, when is homeschooling the right choice? When is homeschooling the right choice? Well, I think if your kid needs it and you're prepared to do what it takes to, to be engaged and to do your due diligence to offer them what they need. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that's a almost perfect textbook. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Uh, say because that's the thing. You've got to be pre 
prepared to do the work? And can you? Do you yeah. have the mental, emotional, you know, financial, financial ability to do that? Even though I will say, I do know some single moms who have made homeschooling work. But yes, that takes. Well, you've got to be ready for that. You know, it's either time or it's money. Yeah, there you go. And you know, being able to do that, having a community maybe around you that helps support that, yeah, uh, makes a difference if you're in that situation. Uh, But I do think looking at your child and doing so each year and going, what is going to be the best for this child? You know, where is going to be the best place? And realizing that there are no perfect answers, and you will always look back and go, I could have done this or I could have done that, and that that's okay. Because that's the human condition. We do not live in a place where it's always going to be perfect. Yep. And yeah, have grace for yourself. Yes. Have the humility to pivot when you yep. need to and own up. When grace for yourself and your child. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, allow, allow yourselves to be people. Yep. People aren't perfect. And never will be. Yep, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the beauty. That's You're the right. Beauty. I'm. I mean, I'm kind of joking because I think I think that there's so much pressure for us to, you know, culturally. Yes, there is. Especially in the U.S., like it's, we yes. have such a performance-driven culture, mm-hmm. um, that it is very, very difficult to not let that get to you. Yes, um, and it really needs to stay out of homeschooling because that is absolutely we just cannot make our children be performing bears we just need to not (laughs) yeah no it's like if you're gonna be counterculture be counterculture Mm -hmm. and and if if you're gonna pull your kid out of the culture then really fully examine what it is that you want to live counter to Mm -hmm. and if that's i i think that that performance-based pressure mm-hmm. of American culture is something worth living counter to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. Yep, it's, it's you know, the ideological stuff is, is cool, it's fine. If you want to have a faith-based mm-hmm. education for your kid, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's also examine, if you're, if you're going to be doing something that's outside the norm anyway— Mm-hmm. I think it's great to examine what other norms might be worth questioning. Absolutely. 100% agree. All right. Well, that was yes. fun. That, that was, was a good, fun. A little topic to touch on there. Uh, hopefully give some people food for thought. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. This has been Sorry I Was Homeschooled. I've been Laura. She's been Suzanne. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Thanks so much.